Hello, welcome adventurers to the Travel Log, a podcast in which I, Stephen Hoffert, my pronouns are he, him, and Lily Lavin, she, her, will be diving into the world of Faerun from the Dungeons and Dragons tabletop role-playing game. We will go area by area, town by town, to provide a background of canonical lore, as well as suggestions on what type of counters you can run in the area, what type of character you create whose backgrounds are based in the area. This week, we're covering Mount Waterdeep. Lily, I know... For the listeners, they've just listened to our wonderful Castle Ward episode and uh, are now listening to this. But for us, in between last episode and this episode, my microphone broke. So this is a new microphone. Hopefully it sounds as good. And Lily moved. So that is going to be a different background soundscape. So if you notice anything different this week, that's it. (laughs) Oh, you got an entirely new microphone yeah i i went through the whole rigmarole to try to figure out what was wrong with it and worked with it for the microphone company and they just sent me a new one. Oh, oh, it's the same microphone now yeah uh, it looks like a slightly newer model it's got more plastic on it and it's more aerodynamic so like it definitely seems like a newer version of the of the one i got hmm, i didn't realize you had to get a whole new one yeah i got a whole new one so well, maybe it sounds good who knows but yeah um this is why you bank episodes in case things like this happen yep <laughs> i'll peek behind the dm screen there it surprises many to learn that castle waterdeep isn't where waterdeep's rulers reside nor from where the city is governed the castle was a rebound of last defense should the city be attacked but for well over a century, the ruler of Waterdeep has occupied the palace of Waterdeep, which is different than Castle. Waterdeep's greatest fortress is a thick-walled stronghold that broods over Castle Ward from the flanks of Mount Waterdeep. Pennants and banners are often hung and flown from its battlements to signal the arrival of diplomats or the commencement of ceremonies. The great height of the castle walls makes such signs readily visible in the southern half of the city. The castle's walls average 60 feet thick, with rooms and passages tunneled out from their great bulk. The castle can house approximately 3,000 medium-sized creatures in comfort. Mm. Fair. I mean, a very diplomatic way to say 3,000 people. (laughs) Um, And three times that number if every corner is used to accommodation and storage. The normal garrison is 1,400 city guards. Dungeon levels beneath the city hold 90 cells in total, each capable of holding up to six prisoners. By edicts of the lords, the castle's larder must contain an emergency food supply large enough to feed 50,000 people for a 10-day. The castle's courtyard is used for training members of the guard and the watch. The main stables, containing 70 or so fully trained equipped warhorses, are located in the ground-level interior of the castle's south wall. Signal beacons, horns, and mighty catapults capable of commanding the entire harbor of Waterdeep as far as Deepwater Isles and the torch towers are ready on the battlements. A garrison unit of at least 30 armed soldiers and guards have always stood watch. The castle gates and the stations of the walls are always guarded, and just within the gates is a duty guard room where a strike squad of 20 crossbowmen and two wizards can reinforce the guards the gate in seconds, and anywhere else or under the castle in minutes. The castle Waterdeep is linked to extensive dungeons beneath the castle and in the mountain to the west, uses armories, food stores, and to hold Waterdeep's secrets. I feel like that has major issues. The tunnels going into the mountain, like they know, they know that right. Undermountain <laughs> exists there. Like that seems like maybe not the best yeah. place to have. I mean, I guess the 
they don't rule from there anymore. No. <laughs> to retreat to in your in your time of need to where a crazy yeah, man I mean, is. All, all Halister, if he or even like the drow or any of the other, because each layer has its own ecosystem and its own economy. You know, there's like a layer full of warring clans of orcs and stuff. Right. All it takes is one of those people or the um, the mind flayer level that's in there all it takes is the mind flayers to orchestrate some sort of catastrophe above ground yeah people run in here for shelter and then they go ha ha and knock the walls down done yeah it, it is like because that that's the thing of water deep's defenses it's like if someone attacks okay they defend the walls of water deep and then you move the most important people to the castle if they breach the walls of water deep okay well now you have the statues to fight them and you have all the like 20th level warrior strop owners running up there and then you can hold out sieges within the castle walls kind of like that's your last stand that's your your helm's deep but if that is then attacked from the mountainside yeah you're kind of screwed yeah yeah exactly yeah it's it's that is a big is a big oversight in, in the defenses of Waterdeep. i know ed greenwood recently did like a an answer to someone of like what why like how hard would it be to besiege Waterdeep or how hard would it attack Waterdeep and like I agree it would be very hard just with all the magic going on there all the insane adventurers there and everything but I don't think it's impossible to attack I mean I feel like the the walking statues make it the most difficult I think it's got to be these things are unfathomably large yeah that's fair (laughs) yeah but if you're attacking from underground I mean, yeah, well, yeah, I feel like even then, though, because eventually while attacking Waterdeep, unless you can collapse the city entirely, like into Skullport or something, then like, yeah, you're going to have to come above ground eventually. Right. And we're talking CR 18 gargantuan constructs. Also, there's that Elven Mythal that is on the plateau of Waterdeep, so you can't actually collapse underneath it. It's yeah exactly like maybe mind flayers would be the best bet or anything like that like i don't think it'd be impossible nothing is impossible like yeah okay they have one two three four five six seven eight cr 18 gargantuan constructs (laughs) which like fair enough i think that would make it nearly impossible (laughs) they're uh sorry i'm looking at a very blurry picture of their stats here but if I'm looking at that correctly, that's 60, right. 10 plus 10 bludgeoning damage with a throne, with like a throne <laughs> building, I guess. So like, I, I, I don't know. You're having a hard time. You're having a hard time. Yeah. 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 The walking statues were built by the Archmage of Waterdeep and controlled by him and the Open Lord. The eight giant stone colossi known as the walking statues of Waterdeep play a unique role in the city's defense. During times of peace, one statue stands on Gaul Leap, gazing out over the waters of the trackless sea, while others are hidden away on the ethereal plane. Two at the base of Cliffwatch, two within Mount Waterdeep, and one within Northgate, River Gate, and Southgate. This is obviously from before the spell plague, so I think 3E. The material plane statue is dormant and unmoving, normally remaining motionless under the direct command of Calvin or the Open Lord. Over time, it tends to accumulate birds' nests, moths, mantles of snow, and other such cosmetic debris. Many visitors to the city naturally believe it is nothing more than a gigantic statue. However, certain conditions can cause the statue to animate and act to defend the city even without an explicit command, based on a set of standing orders dictated long ago. 
For example, the statue attacks any huge or large creature that it perceives as engaged in destructive or hostile activities against the city. And the statue also acts to defend itself against serious attack. The colossi on the ethereal plane do not shift to the material plane unless summoned by the open lord or the archmage of the city. However, they are actively guard against ethereal intrusions to the city. They ignore ethereal humanoids, unless such are traveling in a company of ten or more, but they attack other ethereal creatures they perceive within the bounds of the city. Visibly on the material plane, for an ethereal creature is limited into 60 feet. So unless an intruder happens to pass by one of the city gates or approaches the castle or palace, the ethereal statues are not likely to notice the intrusion. Mert's Mansion is the most famous landmark around the castle ward's docks. This stronghold is home to one of Waterdeep's richest ex-adventurers. Mert. Mert. So that's covering kind of like what the statues were doing before the spell plague. The spell plague kind of messed up the statues, which we'll get into. But it's cool that they had this defense against the ethereal plane back in the back in the day. Yeah, because they're definitely not there anymore. No. They're just chilling. But, in, uh... but it'd be, it is cool, like, uh, aspect that, that uh, you know, I, I, I thought that was a cool thing to think about. I feel like... Well, they're a very cool defensive measure of Waterdeep, and, like, I like them. And when we did a siege on Waterdeep, we kind of ignored their existence. Um, well, you guys went way out yeah. into the battlefield from Waterdeep, so I kind of always imagined they did do stuff, mm. but you all just weren't there to see it. But I feel like they would destroy a lot of the city. Oh, yeah. Just by walking around. Oh, yeah. Like, it feels like a very, it feels like a very, um, what is it, like, last-ditch effort of, like, well, screw it. We're all <laughs> dying anyway. We might as well unleash these beasts and let them destroy half the city to save us. Exactly. They, once everyone is, like, everyone you care about is safe behind the walls of Castle Waterdeep, then you flip the switch that's, you know, statues on. <laughs> I mean, okay, so they're even more ridiculous we're gonna get into them more later but like so i've opened the actual stat block here and they have immunity to cold fire poison psychic bludgeoning piercing slashing from non-magical weapons so like cold fire poison psychic of course poison and psychic they're constructs but cold and fire too that means that means like a meteor storm isn't killing these guys nope <laughs> that's ridiculous and they have magic resistance oh yeah they can throw fight. their they can throw their stone which does 60 10 i don't understand why it's single target it right. should definitely be an AOE <laughs> attack. Yeah. but they can throw it 800 feet <laughs> there those are like catapults they just chuck them on the outside the walls also okay this is the this is the worst thing in this entire stat block in my opinion they have a mutable form which you know a lot of constructs do but their slam attack has a five foot reach <laughs> <laughs> I, I get it i get it that it's because they're so big right they don't take up that yeah. whole cube of space that they have on a map a battle map they don't take up that whole cube they're kind of in the center of it right they're so not they like pile driving anyone <laughs> yeah so they are actually reaching forward that's just their zone of influence during combat but i still kind of feel like they should have at least a 10 or 15 foot reach here <laughs> it's it seems like maybe right it seems like yeah, maybe they yeah. should maybe <laughs> uh that's great <laughs> i mean i was gonna say fair but is it fair <laughs> when the spellblade gripped Waterdeep in 1385 dr six more walking statues suddenly appeared in the city blah, blah, blah. so yeah uh this is the ones that were in the ethereal plane right wandering to wreak havoc even even as the sahagwin humbled remained motionless and that's the one that was overlooking that would always be there uh, in the past 
Um, the authorities and the citizens of Waterdeep succeeded in stopping the rest of these new statues, breaking the Sword Maiden and the Hawkman, and sinking the Godcatcher into the street up to its waist. Hold on, pause. Yeah. Pause for one second. Sahuagin, according to Matt Mercer. Sorry, D&D Beyond has every single creature with a button that can teach you. Also, yeah, for our listeners right now, um, if you have troubles pronouncing hard-to-pronounce D&D names like Sahuagin, D&D Beyond actually has it, like a button you can press to listen to every single creature's name. That's great. Set That's actually really great. It's fantastic. And it's done by, uh, it's done by Matt Mercer and mm-hmm. Laura Bailey. Oh, very cool. Actually, yeah, I think it's Laura Bailey. Then all the statues mysteriously stopped their rampage just as quickly as it had begun. To Sarah Sandrin, the Blackstaff at the time, couldn't command them to return to their former hiding place on the ethereal plane. Consequently, the city repaired itself and built up around them. Much later, in 1479 DR, the 8th statue, the Griffin, emerged from the ethereal plane to defend Egron's tower against intrusion. It roosted there for a time before flying up to its current position near Peaktop Airy on Mount Waterdeep. Once more, this activity seems to be outside the Blackstaff's control. Thankfully, all the walking statues have been dormant for well over a decade now, serving only as beautiful cyclopean reminders of Waterdeep's might. The Godcatcher is perhaps the most famous walking statue in the city thanks to its dramatic pose, its nearness to the market, and its self-evident magic of its existence. The statue is a well-muscled but impassive male human with its left leg sunk to the hip in the street, the result of the spell cast by the Black Sabbath at the time of its rampage. Its left hand and right foot press against the ground as if trying to pull itself out. Its arm is raised skyward above its open palm a sphere of stone, its gaze looking up towards the sphere, and the pattern of bird droppings around its eyes give it the appearance of weeping. All about the statue, climbing up to its chest and on its knees and shoulders, is a tenement that carries the name the Godcatcher. The tenement's landlord is Andra Blackcloak, an unsociable sorcerer who is rarely seen in the city except when she alights from the door carved on the flown sphere, which serves as her home. On a rare occasion when she wants to meet city folk, typically to purchase odd substances for magical purposes, she appears unannounced on balconies or rooftops after dark. Her dealings are polite, though, and she pays fair coin. She never confides in anyone or talks about her own doings, and if anyone but she has ever seen the inside of her spherical home, they said nothing publicly about it. So there's, like, nothing about this person. Uh, and uh, Blackcloak? Isn't Blackcloak... Yeah, so she's definitely related to yeah. Halister. Right? But, How, but... Either related or, like, a fan of Halister, right? But if you Google her, there's, like barely anything Which, that's wild yeah i know so she 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 has to be related to Hallister, and maybe she'll come up in future adventures or maybe a novel yeah but yeah maybe she's like she, put in for something there's just nothing written about her she feels like one of those things where you know a plot hook that was put in but was never expounded upon expanded upon it was cut for time yeah or like the original <laughs> party that it was written for just never got around to dealing with it like we have tons right yeah we have tons of that stuff in our forgotten realms where occasionally vass my partner and a player in my campaign with steven um oftentimes they'll look at me and go what was the deal with this and i'll go yeah i guess you'll never know and secretly it's because <laughs> y'all didn't have time or weren't interested in biting on it so i just don't right. I, I don't have 
what like i usually have a vague idea of what it's going to turn into <laughs> but it's like i don't know unless you guys bite on it i'm not going to expand on it so yeah i'm not going to write about that <laughs> i'm going to play it cool and go you'll never know but secretly i only half know <laughs> yeah it feels like like because yeah cool witch lady that like is kind of shows up on your rooftops lives so cool. in, like lives in the statue sounds cool as heck has the name she, of the famous mad mage she lives well, what's she about yeah she lives in the floating <laughs> sphere that the god catcher is reaching up to grab that's so freaking cool <laughs> also i feel like come on Silverhand and um the black staff they're not even a little worried that someone named black cloak is just hanging out just kind of hangs out yeah they definitely crazy. they definitely know halister black cloak yeah like, they've obviously put I feel it like they'd like look into yeah, this yeah it's weird yeah must be like i'm gonna say maybe they expand upon but it's a great thing for you uh dm to expand upon if you're looking for like oh yeah yeah cooks yeah yeah yeah. definitely if you're looking for some mystery in Waterdeep, i think this is a great way i think it could also there's probably also something there if so i don't know how they expect you to go from dragon heist to dungeon of the mad mage i haven't read the beginning of dungeon of the mad mage right but if you're looking to connect those two adventures, quite possibly you could use her. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. If she's related to Halister, you could use, maybe she's the one that initiates being like, yeah, okay, I'm thinking it's time to deal with my brother. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of cool. Yeah, or like, yeah, no, I like that. Or she came up here to like, you know, do her own experiments, but also like look for people in Waterdeep who are strong enough and through the, you know, actions that you do in Dragon Eyes, she you catch her notice, you know? Yeah, it's exactly what I'm kinda of saying. And then she comes to you and yeah. is like, Hey, you wanna to go to Undermountain and do an insurmountable task? And you're just like, Why not? <laughs> the DM bought the book. Yeah. <laughs> For everyone listening along, as I've said, I think every single episode at aided with two Ds dot org, interactive map of Waterdeep, all of the walking statues are labeled with big, big letters. Yeah, so we'll... There, I think in... This is the official map from Dragon right. Heist, and I think the labels are on oh, cool. the official map, too. So, yeah, we'll start with the Griffin, which is located on Peak Top Airy atop Mount Waterdeep. Which is, is that on the highest point of Mount Waterdeep? Or? I think so. It's right next to their... Yeah, it is. Well, it's on, like, um, what are they called? Like, a pinnacle jutting out. Right. Um, from But yeah. right next to their griffin peak top area their city building where they train all their griffins and stuff cool cool yeah the... one quick thing before we move on yeah they fought the first encounter they had well the second encounter they had the first real combat encounter they had with the big bad evil guy um shothrago oh, yeah the uh, i think it's actually shothragoch the um avatar of therisdun in our first campaign that i dm'd for steven they fought Shathrago in the marketplace of Waterdeep, their first real role initiative. And he was up flying in the air. And the monk looked at me and was like, how high exactly is the Godcatcher statue? Because I can run up walls. And it was one of my favorite moments. This Anyone who says monk is underpowered, okay, who cares about damage? This was so cool. The monk sprints up the Godcatcher statue all the way up to like its elbow leaps through the air, grappling the enemy mid air and just laying like, what was it like at that point? Like six punches into the guy. It was fantastic. It was flavorful. And then because of slow fall, when the big bad evil inevitably broke out of the grapple, yeah. just uh, <laughs> slow fall to the ground. It's great. 
no, no, no. Because he was grappled in the air, speed went to zero yeah. and they just plummeted. Yeah, it, was, it was fantastic. Yeah, exactly. It's very good. <laughs> yeah, the griffin is the walking statue and it's called that way because it's shaped like one. Though it stands on all four legs, its back is fully 20 feet off the ground, making it a mount fit for a storm giant. Although it has shown itself to be capable of flight, with the granite feathers of on its wings like a bird, the griffin now merely stands in a regal pose uh, near Peaktop Airy atop Mount Waterdeep. Looking to the southeastern corner over Dockward, newcomers sometimes assume it is a monument to Waterdeep's griffin cavalry, but the Water Davians know better. The Sahuagan Humboldt has for years been the only visible walking statue in Waterdeep. It was known simply as the Walking Statue. It stood at the foot of Mount Waterdeep near the head of Jothun Street. Then, after its critical role in defending the city against the invasion of Sahuaguin in 1370 DR, Kelvin Blackstaff reshaped the statue into a Sahuaguin. It now bows low towards the House of Heroes on bended knee, a gesture of obedience to the city and acknowledgement of the sacrifice of all those who fought the city in that war. Quick uh, side note for just people unaware uh so who again are evil fish people yeah classic low-level yeah. armies of the sea classic low-level mobs for when you're doing boat campaign but their head is kind of funny they've got like a long kind of fishy eel neck so like they've got like a 50 foot fish head guy kneeling <laughs> yeah. in this uh near mount water deep it's when you look at the art of it it's kind of funny do you i think it's cool don't get me wrong it's very cool but it's uh it's this giant fish man. It says low towards the Hall of Heroes. Can you say like where in relation to like the mountain that is? It is to the north. Um, it's like north right next to the um, wall along the ocean near. What is this? Do you remember Spires of the Morning? Right. It's near Spires of the Morning. Yeah. 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 Okay. Great. The Great Drunkard was a walking statue that stopped its rampage as it approached the market then fell backwards and sat upon a building. When it settled, its arms fell limp at its side and its head tilted forward to its chest, giving the impression that it had fallen asleep. The statue's huge stone battle-axe still stands nearby, its half angled upright and its blade half buried in the cobbles. The rubble of this crushed building was long ago rebuilt into a broad stone stair with railings and ramps that drunkards often roll down that ascends from the cobble to the statue's lap. That lap now holds about holds a two-story tavern also built from the rubble called Gralkin's Gralkin's Tankard. The unconscious pose of the statue and the tavern in his laps makes the name of the great drunkard a natural fit. Um, if you're able to Google it, yeah. not all of them seem to have art. Eh, maybe all of them actually have art. The great drunkard is maybe my favorite one. <laughs> I like the good. little statue between its legs. It's uh, it's pretty funny. Also, it's in full knight regalia, <laughs> though. That's great. Like, it's not some drunk guy. It's like a knight. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that one's kind of near the market, eh? Just south is, of the market? Yep, just south of the... In the castle ward, just south of the market. The Lady Dreaming caused much chaos when she was active. The statue has the appearance of a female elf whose hair and clothing appears to flow naturally as it walked through the city during the spell plague. When the walking statue stopped, this one toppled onto its side, taking the appearance of a titanic sculpture of noble lady asleep in her garden. Uh, and this one, where's this one? Is this one in North Ward? No, this one is the Dreaming Lady. Yeah. Dreaming Lady is also on the fringes of the mountain, pretty close to the Sehiguin, Sahuagin Humboldt, all things considered, hmm. near the, um, also near the wall. Okay. 
The Honorable Knight is a statue of a male warrior in plate armor with a shield and longsword. When the walking statue stopped, it bowed to those opposing it, straightened, sheathed its sword, and doffed its shield, saying it point down on the ground and upright by its side, and then ceased motion in this position, facing southwest towards the harbor, and looking for all the world like a castle guard standing at ease. The pose assumed led to its naming is viewed with respect by the citizens of the Southernly Wards. Right on the, uh, or pretty close to the border of the Trades Ward and the Dock Ward. Okay, nice. Right next to the Grey Serpent Tavern. Oh, okay, that's in the Grey Serpent. Okay, that's very cool. The Hawkman is a statue <laughs> that looks like a winged, hawk-headed being. Thus, it's called the Hawkman. In fact, it bears much resemblance to an Aarakocra, one of the bird people said to live in the Star Mounts in the High Forest. The statue's wings are folded tightly against its back and have never been unfurled, leaving its flight capable its flight capability uncertain. It was brought low during its rampage across the city, and now it tilts decidedly towards the northeast to a missing right foot and long ago broken up for building rubble. Along with its right arm, its left arm is extended out towards the north, its palm forward as if to gesture to say stop. The body has been burrowed out and turned into a tower shared by several wealthy tenants, which officially known as the Superint Tower after its owner. The statue's left hand extends over the courtyard to the north, wherein lies the entrance of a tunnel carved through the arm. Visitors and residents can ring a bell in the courtyard, whereupon the door guard acknowledges the ringer and lowers a rope ladder for tenants and expected guests. The rope chair that is drawn up for guests who are infirm or laden with heavy items. I... Love that. <laughs> I love that for them. I love that it was carved out. What are they going to do if they get attacked? I, know. I guess they have one They have one less than I said earlier defending them. <laughs> or maybe it does still move because it's magic, and then you just have to really hope you're not in your house at that time. <laughs> when it happens, yeah. Also, this one I find very funny. Um, South Castle Ward, okay. but north, north of Castle Waterdeep, though. Right. So not at the border of the Dock Ward. <laughs> Um, directly north of Castle Waterdeep. I love that they call it the Hawkman. It's like air croakers are like, we have a name, you know that, right? Like, we are people. (laughs) (laughs) No, you're a Hawkman. Yeah, he's he's weird looking. If you look it up, he doesn't really have a hawk. Like, he has a hawk face, but I don't know. He looks very um, full of himself. He's got his one hand up, and because he's missing his arm, it looks like it's uh, folded behind his back, and he's holding his one (laughs) hand up, looking, looking kind of... Up and to the left with his arm up in that stop pose makes him look very like, ah, oh, yes, look at how great I am. <laughs> uh, it's it's interesting makeup so far of like uh, Aarakocra and Elf, and then it seems like mostly humans, but like, why an Aarakocra? It's very odd. Yeah, I know, right? I mean, one of them is a griffin. I don't understand how these fly. I mean, I don't even understand how gargoyles fly, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> this has always eluded me. Magic. But also the the sword maiden and the knight, yeah. the honorable knight, they could be, I mean, anything. Yeah, they could be anything. Because they're, they're, they're in full plate yeah. with helmets. That's true. That's true. The honorable knight looks very much so like uh, the guy on the cover of Dark Souls. <laughs> nice. <laughs> like it's almost, the, it's very similar armor. Uh, the sword maiden statue appears virtually identical to the honorable knight, except for its female form and open-faced helm. It was felled during the spell plague after causing much chaos and slaughter. The residents of Waterdeep North Ward funneled much of their frustration and dismay 
reaction into a rampage onto dismantling the statue, parts of which can now be found all over North Ward, either incorporated into the buildings or as bits of freestanding sculpture. The head of the sword maiden sits in a stand of tall trees in the center of a block of North Ward bounded by Histar Street, Tassar Street, Whalegond Way, and Uslebren Street. The center of its jaw and mouth have been replaced by a door which leads into a shop known as Thort's Findings. Undever Thort is a wizened ex-adventurer who leans on a cane, which some locals insist is more than just a cane. He lives in the small shop whose many levels, staircases, and landings fill the hollowed-out head, and which is crammed with ottomans sold by Thort by adventurers and other travelers. These items bear little placards in Thort's beautiful flowing handwriting that identify them or at least provide speculation as to their origins. My favorite statues are the ones that, you know, the Hawkman with the tower inside it, the Godcatcher with um, Black Cloak living inside the little orb, and... Uh, this one is, like, torn apart. <laughs> this one, the Sword Maiden, yeah. Although she's marked on the map, like all the other ones. Right. So I don't know what the current lore is. Maybe that's just the mark of where her head is or where she initially stopped. I'm unsure. Right. Yeah. And I'm curious with this whole like ethereal plane thing of them not physically returning. Like, where did they come? Do they have like a magic spirit in the ethereal plane still? Where did they come from? Why'd they just show up? Like, nobody made them. Well, no. So all of them were made by by Eggerong. Oh, right. But then hidden in the ethereal plane. And then hidden in the ethereal. The reason they came out was spell plague weirdness but didn't it say that like extra ones appeared well extra ones if everyone thought there was only one okay it's extra ones because there was only ever one before okay because that that confused me a little because i thought it was saying yeah, that, yeah, like yeah. extra ones just kind of appeared out of nowhere no i think what it, yeah what it's it was a weird wording to say that the ones from the ethereal plane came through okay so it says that there is two four two at the base of cliff watch two within that yeah so seven there's seven in the ethereal plane, apparently. And then the that makes eight, yeah. That makes eight, yeah, exactly. So there, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I like these ones, though, that have stuff in them. I think they're fun. Yeah. I was thinking, yeah, either something with them. I think they would be an interesting one. Like, yeah, they're, like you were saying, maybe they have ethereal spirits that control them, trapped in the ethereal plane, and maybe they have decided that, hey, we don't mm-hmm. like essentially being slaves. And they could be pretty decent, big, bad, evil guys. And then you find out that, of course, there's someone that has maybe geshed them all. Yeah. Or um, someone, not even magically, just someone who, like a night hag. Because mm. they can they can go into the ethereal plane at will, right? Maybe like a night hag just went and started hanging yeah. out with them and was like, hey, uh, you know, and just filled them full of manipulation and propaganda. It doesn't even have to be magical. Right, right, right. Yeah. And then... Uh, but I was just thinking right now when I was saying that I like all the ones that have stuff in them, like the Godcatcher. What if mm-hmm. do Andra, Andra Blackcloak? What if like Andra Blackcloak was Halister? Right. Okay. Because he's he's batshit crazy, right. right? And so maybe he has like bouts of lucidity, right? And he wants to go up to the city, but he can't do that as Halister, or else people are going to freak out. Yeah, because everyone knows Halister. So yeah. he starts coming out as Andra, and he's you know still a little bit crazy. So he's not good enough to change his last name. He goes, <laughs> uh, someone goes, who are you? And he goes, I'm Andra. I'm Andra, bl- 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 black cloak. Damn it. <laughs> Damn. Oh, oh, you bought that? You bought that, did you? All right, that's fine. Then I'm just a sweet old lady. No relation to Halister. And maybe after, you know, some time of living this double life, 
Hallister has come to realize that like he has to be killed. Right. But he can't do it himself. And he knows that, you know, he only ever gets, you know, a handful of hours of lucidity that he's able to come up to the mm. city and hang out. And so he's not able to actually do anything about his insanity. He doesn't have enough time as Andra, right. and he doesn't have enough resources in the city. And the small people that he, he has been going and visiting that it says that she does, yeah. you know, on rooftops and stuff, is him setting little seeds throughout the city uh. to uh, help his own demise. Yeah. And finally when he contacts the party that's like pulling the pin in the grenade that he's been setting up right yeah and that might be a really cool twist if you're running at the end of the campaign it turns out that andra the the witch in the god catcher that was helping you stop halister it turns out they are one and the same and that's pretty cool That'd be pretty fun it's pretty cool i like that a lot that'd also be cool if you wanted like to uh expand Waterdeep's role in dungeon of the mad mage mm. a little bit right yeah that's cool i like that uh, starting at the walking statue, so that would be Sahagwin uh, Humboldt, the cliff ride is a treacherous gravel slope that runs along the western edge of Mount Waterdeep's northern spur. Its perilous slope leads to a popular fest hall, Sylvanez Rental Villa, and the Bard College of New Olam. The cliffside is constantly exposed to the sea winds and spray from the ocean below. In winter, this area is often snowbound and isolated from the rest of the city. In the past, uh, the north end of the road is now kept open by the loyal order of street laborers, and, and Melody Mount Walk allows traffic to reach New Olam on the south. The entire area is easily defended pocket away from the city, as desired by the families who built these villas, but that didn't protect them from the death uh death protect them from death during the vicious guild wars of past. So there's a set of magic items designed specifically for bards right, yeah. that range from uncommon to very rare to, is there a legendary one? There should be. Yeah. To a legendary one. And I think it's, uh, mm -hmm. you know, one being uncommon, you can just like, if you have a bard in your campaign, just keep leveling up their instruments of the bard. Right. You know, um, there's the Anstruth harp, the Kenneth mandolin, the slee lyre, the Das Loot. That's my favorite one. Das Loot. Das Loot. Das Loot, man. It's a Das Loot. Um, there's the Macfirmidin Citern. Macfirmid? Macfirmid? We're the Macfirmid clan. This is our Citern. The Foklukan Bandor. Um, but then there's the Olam Harp. Ooh. Except it is spelt different than the College of New Olam. Ah. And, and, and... I hate that, and just, I don't know why they're spelled differently. I don't know if something was retconned, but I think if you have a bard, and you have the college, and you have the bard school of the bard college of New Alam, and you want to have this instrument to the bard in, I think you should connect them. Yeah. And change the spelling. Change the spelling of either of them. Yeah, that makes sense. I think that's very helpful. I found it really weird that, like, I thought, okay, it's mountain. You overlook the sea. This sounds like a beautiful place. Of course, you put the bar college here. Why? But there's, like, no villas, like, Nopa villas up there. There's, like, two. Yeah. Well, because I think it's a... It's crazy. I, I, I think it's a shitty mountain, not a fun mountain. Right. That's fair. Like, I think it's, like... It's just... It, I think it's... I feel like in our world, in, like, Earth, people would buy that for so much money. 
that property. Yeah, it's just that I think it's very, you know, craggy and right. like not super fun. Also, New Alam just I don't think is on this map. It should be on the seaside, uh, kind of south of the mountain. Maybe it's not. There it is. Yeah, it's right along the wall. Okay, so they're not like they're on the mountain, but they're like not on the mountain. Right, 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 right. Because the, there's like kind of a slow, steady incline here and you go past the Lady Dreaming and then it steep then it's steep rises. Right. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. So I think the thing is, is I think it's like craggy and kind of sucks maybe. That makes sense. That makes sense. And that's why they don't have build up there. Also, I was going to say earlier, you can do what happened to the God catcher. If you are a sorcerer, a wizard or a druid with transmute rock spell. Oh yeah. You turn a big area of rock into mud and then you can turn it back into rock. So if you're fighting a giant statue and you want to stick them in the ground, you can do it. That's very cool. In the year of the wave, 1364 DR, a former harper named Iridor Garnet Wintermist unleashed a series of unconventional attacks against the inhabitants of Sword Coast. Her anger stemmed from the decline of bardcraft and the evolution of the harpers away from their founding ideals. Although she was ultimately defeated, several Waterdavians took her lesson to heart and refounded Waterdeep's old Bardic College two years later in what had been the Cliff Ride Villa of Heroes Rest and Stormwatch, overlooking the coastal waters out of Waterdeep. Students of the college undergo training in their chosen instruments, along with rigorous practice in memorization and the study of ancient songs, sagas, and history. Most bards of New Alam belong to the College of Lore, instrument makers, and choristers. New Alam has become a noted education center and excellent storehouse of knowledge in just a few short years. With the bards coming from across the realms to study within its walls, those generally acknowledged to have successfully completed their studies acquire the title of Master Bard, and they choose to study at the School of New Alam in the city of Waterdeep. They receive a degree of Magnus Almana upon completion of their studies. The cliff ride, a gravel path up northern, Waterdeep's Northern Spur, is used to bring goods to the college, but most visitors and students use Mount Melody Walk, a tunnel through the mountain itself, to reach it. The tunnel regularly resounds with music, thanks to the never-ending string of pearls, an ongoing concert where Bardic students perform in small alcoves in the tunnel, which carries and echoes their music. I love that. Send your party to this tunnel. Yeah, it's such a cool thing. I love this tunnel. It's cool as all hell. In that same campaign where the monk ran up the Godcatcher, our bard, who was College of Glamour, not College of Lore, especially because none of the Xanathar subclasses, I don't think, have canonical places they're from. Right. Gabriel Brightborn was from the College of New Alam. And when they all went to Waterdeep, Gabe had to uh, endure running into former classmates Gabe didn't really like. Yeah, that was great. He had social anxiety, so he didn't really like the other students, even though they all liked him. That was that was really fun. If you have a bard, definitely send them to their college town, yeah. whatever the college. Like, if you have a bard, I just think a lot of people don't do this, mm-hmm. but I think if you have a bard who actually went to bard college, you should set a city that the college is in. Yeah. And whether or not you go there, they can reference it. Yeah. And if you do go there, then they get the fun time of running into their old classmates who never left the city. No, I think that's a really good idea. Seeing what's up. It's, it's fun. And uh, yeah, you get to have that like, yeah, we've, uh, return to the past. And also just this like, kind of like you lived a life before you're a veteran, which I think is really important to have. Yeah. 
like an actual connection to the city yeah or to the world not necessarily the city it doesn't matter where you are but an actual connection to the world that i think is sometimes hand waved away and with bards it's really easy you went to school there and you're venturing around to do your um master's thesis you know Mm. or whatever you finished college and now you're doing your year abroad yeah (laughs) yeah also a chorister is just a member of a choir right that makes sense especially especially a child or young person singing treble um, but in the United States, a uh, chorister is the person who leads the singing of a church choir. Oh, interesting. Yeah. But yeah, definitely have people that went to give your bards exactly where their college is. Yeah. I think that's fine. I think it's a smart idea. As well on Cliff Ride sits the Levines, a former villa that was purchased by a money changer from Zakara and transformed into a unique fest hall and gambling house. The owner was said to have two genies at her beck and call. Sounds very cool. Not too much information about it. <laughs> uh, if you if you want elemental fury to happen in Waterdeep, bang. Yeah, bang. There you go. Or I know have someone with a connection to Sahara in Waterdeep. Or if you there have you cool quest hook, I think. Okay, so your party of level three. Let's say you start the campaign at level three. Mm-hmm. The plot of the campaign is the party needs a wish. Okay, that's it. That's the plot. Uh, it doesn't matter what they need the wish for. You come up with it yourself. There's many spells. There's many a spell that say nothing short mm. of a wish spell can reverse this. Right. So it could be that. It could be any number of things. You know, of course, you're going to have an antagonist. But this could even just be the first arc. But um, here's a good place for that. Right. If you wanted to run a thing where your party, your low-level party, has to get a wish. Yeah. I think that's kind of a classic adventure tale that's been told throughout time you know the party journeying journeying for a wish yeah, whether that yeah. wish is you know the that's all what dragon Ball is <laughs> yeah exactly um it's also just in so much you know what is the fountain of youth but journeying for a wish yeah and so i think that that could be fun and this could be um a lead on that yeah that's great Waterdeep's griffin riders patrol high above the skies of Waterdeep, defending mount Waterdeep and the city below against intrusions Griffin Cavalry is an elite company of the City Guard. Brave warriors of the City Guard light out from Peak Top Airy, Top Mount Waterdeep, riding fearsome griffins that have been bred and trained for that purpose. Each of the riders is equipped with a ring of featherfall, not merely to prevent deaths and mishaps, but also to allow them to perform stunning feats of aerial acrobatics. In both martial displays and in real battles against flying threats such as manticores, harpies, and outlaw wizards. The Griffin Riders actually leap off their mounts into open air. For a breath-stealing moment, they fall like stones, closing in on their targets at incredible speed. Their opponents rarely see the death blow, distracted as they are by the mounted Griffin Riders. When they are past the danger, the free-falling riders then suddenly halt in the air, drifting like a feather, until their Griffin companions swoop up and regain them in the saddles. Working in concert with one another in this fashion, members of the Griffin Cavalry can rapidly eliminate any threat to the city and even catch the body of the offender before it hits the rooftops below. Riders of the Griffin Cavalry are trained to stay above the rooftops, not because they fear crashing into towers and water veins, but because the smell of so much horse flesh in the streets below can sometimes drive their griffins into a frenzy. Ah, right. Yeah, check that out. They eat horses? Yeah. yeah, they eat horses of course as you they're, do they i mean they are apex predators and when you actually think about it griffins are freaking terrifying yeah that's true that's they're true. so scary <laughs> you're so scary but uh i instantly with these aerial things yeah if if you want a cool scene in your water deep campaign if you're having a festival just look up what are they called uh like 
air shows the blue the, the blue angels right blue angels you know, those, right. those the famous fighter jet ones yeah. and just like describe that to your party yeah but on griffins <laughs> with people falling out of their jet planes it's crazy it, uh the jumping off of it and attacking of, is so cool that's so cool yeah. yeah yeah these guys are cool it's so cool you could have a if you have yeah. a paladin maybe uh you know, because they get find greater steed, they can summon griffins. Maybe it's been their life. If you're playing a paladin, maybe your lifelong dream has been to join the griffin cavalry. But for some reason, you're really underdoggy. Right. I don't know. Maybe, you know, you have a bum leg, like a bad knee since birth. Mm. Maybe something happened to you as a child or you were just born with, I don't know, like you were born with a de- degenerative disease, right? Like I have enclosing spondylitis. So you were born with enclosing spondylitis or um, a degenerative disc. Right. And the Griffin Cavalry didn't take you seriously. And so your whole story is to not get rid of, but kind of overcome your setback and prove to the Griffin Riders that you can still be a valuable asset, even with your hindrance. And, you know, you get summon greater steed, I think at level 14 as a paladin. Yeah. And so that's a pretty good classic time that campaigns end mm-hmm. so this could be a nice end by saving the world atop your griffin you're finally recognized by the griffin cavalry right. and you get your dream of joining them yeah, that's cool i like that or or you go screw you guys didn't believe in me i'm gonna start my own order of griffin riders look at this i made a saddle specifically that holds people who don't have use of their legs and their griffin huh you could have been inclusive <laughs> that sounds great either way yeah. either way i think that would be a fun a fun character to play yeah totally also is i gonna say i think that'd be a fun character to play um oh yeah also you'd have the added benefit of being like my griffin's better than yours because it is magically bonded to me so it's not gonna go yeah. frenzied towards those horse flesh <laughs> it my won't try to better. eat horses <laughs> paladin now that we've touched on it just sorry this is a bit of an aside is a decent class to play if you want to play someone with mobility issues Mm. because you get find steed right away yeah pretty damn quick yeah and so if you're if for whatever reason you either don't want to use the um combat wheelchair which by the way everyone check out super cool mustang art mustang art yeah yes on twitter on twitter created the combat wheelchair it's shown up in critical role and other actual plays completely free resource that they've like made art for it's insane it's it's or they've commissioned art for yeah it's really cool it's a fantastic piece of homebrew that is really good for playing a mobility issue character or any kind of dis it's rules around a bunch of different disabilities but if for whatever reason either your dm doesn't allow homebrew or the combat wheelchair in particular, or you're just not vibing with that. Paladin is a good choice. Cast Find Greater Steed, get yeah. a saddle that specifically holds your legs in place. And I mean, what is that but a combat wheelchair? Yeah, yeah, that's very cool. Yeah, you're right. And if it if it dies, it's only a second level spell slot to bring it back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's actually really cool. I like that a lot. The Order of the Even-Handed is a local monastic order dedicated to Tyr. The Order's small chapter house sits on the slopes of Mount Waterdeep overlooking Smuggler's Bay. Due to a long-standing philosophical difference between Grandmaster Helm and Hammerlord Highcross Illumint, Highcross believes Helm's mixing of cleric and monk traditions to be heresy. <laughs> the Order has closer ties with the Hall of Justice in Neverwinter than it does with the clergy of Waterdeep's Tyrian Temple, going so far as to send its ties to the City of Skilled Hands. Helm grandmaster of the even-handed has long dwelled in a small cave partway up the eastern slopes of mount waterdeep over the years he has trained a succession of younger monks who found their way to his cave 
Halam uh, developed a monastic discipline that he calls the way of the sacred fist, giving equal weight to clergy, magic, and monk training. That's very cool. In recent years, his students organized themselves into a monastic order, one that taught both individual self-reliance and a duty to bring justice to the world. Halam's disciples purchased an aging manor near their master's cave to serve as the order's chapter house. Although Halam has always preferred to adventure alone, most of his younger members of the order seek out companies of fair-minded adventurers of varied skills, as opposed to journeying with other members of the order. However, it is a goal for every member of the order to have one grand solo venture in the service of the Grim Jaws before they die. Most also seek to battle and defeat Helmite monks in ritual combat. Okay. I mean, this is just a backstory that they've written for you. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, oh my gosh. Okay, so, wait, why do they want to defeat Helmite monks? Oh, just to show they're better. It's not like, they, it's ritual combat. So it's not to show that, like, to kill them. It's to, like... Oh, that tear is better than Like, arena fight. Yeah. Okay, but, um, oh my gosh. Okay, so here's what you do. And I want to play these characters so badly now. Okay. Because this is another thing. Put your monk's monastery actually in your world. Yeah. The first character I ever played was a monk. Way of the Four Elements. Say what you want. It was really fun. Um, and we knew exactly where my monastery was from day one. And it was cool. It was fun. I got to reference it. I was scared anytime we went too close to it because we had bad blood. And it was cool. It felt very connected to the world. Nice. But, okay, so... You and your childhood friend, yeah. whatever, you're well off, you're poor, I don't know, it doesn't really matter, whatever you want. One of you is really good at physicality, the other of one of you is naturally gifted in music. You are street performers. Right. And as you get older, you know, one plays the drums or the lute while the other dances or does flips, okay. acrobatics, you're a little uh, duo of street performers, or that's just your hobby. Mm. But as you get older and it comes time to get more serious about life, one of you goes to the College of New Alam and one of you goes to Grandmaster Lam, the even the order of the even handed yeah. to learn how, you know, dedicate your dedicate your Yeah, dedicate your life. Yeah, exactly. Your your, your natural talent yeah. towards this to something greater than you. And mm-hmm. your your campuses are right near each other. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Your campus is a funny thing to call a monastery, but um yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're right beside each other. So you grow up seeing each other go through these schools, and then when it comes time to go on adventures, naturally you go on adventure together. Yeah, yeah. I love that. That's really fun. That would be such a if you wanted a background connected with another player i think this would be really fun the monk and the bard yeah, yeah. Um, childhood friends from Waterdeep. like yeah that's really cool one does acrobatics one does music you still kept up your practice of your routine yeah so while you adventure you can go and do your routine together one with acrobatics one with performance i think that that would be a fun character combination yeah. you can even like pick spells as a bard specifically that help like you can because the bard is such a customizable class because it's a spellcaster yeah you can even pick specific spells that go along with fighting alongside with a monk you know mm, mm, mm. like um dissonant whispers to get the monk those sweet opportunity attacks long strider to get the monk that's not even that's not even concentration long strider to make it so your monk can run even freaking further yeah i think that's really cool it'd be super fun i was i was thinking like this this even hand is supposed to be cleric meets monk traditions do you think do you think like mercy monk is the best like out the box monk to do if you're trying to like pretend to have that uh, i mean i would say way of the open hand right seeing as it is called the even handed right i also think way of the open hand is a very fun monk i kind of think 
a lot of people think Battlemaster should have been dissolved into Fighter. Right. Right? And all fighters get Battlemaster maneuvers. I kind of think Way of the Open Hand should have been dissolved into all Monk. Right, right, right. Because it essentially gets four or five. It's like a Swords Bar, but it essentially gets four or five Battlemaster maneuvers. Right. Okay, that would be a fun duo. Way of the Open Hand Monk and swords bard the two of you mm. go into combat <laughs> yeah. one the bard pushes away while the open hand monk knocks prone and you just with your your acrobatic dance like fighting the two of you dance into combat wading through your enemies so swift and elegantly that they don't even have a time to retaliate yeah that's cool yeah you can call yourselves like the elegant death or some edgy nonsense <laughs> but i do think mercy would be cool and i think if you wanted to do a bard cleric multi-class mercy lends itself well to that right well because it's just like because yeah you can do necrotic and radiant which are the two monk like damage or you heal necrotic which are like very clerical uh abilities so yeah i don't know that's why i thought about it yeah i think it also likes to have wisdom doesn't it yeah it, it does the mercy monk i don't quite remember but um, a lot, well you know that's kind of monk's thing is to have a bit of wisdom on the side yeah some rely on it more than others but yeah i think because this does naturally scream monk cleric multi-class i think way of the mercy monk just flavor wise fits cleric very well and the two of them multi-class synergy pretty decently also and then high cross is just watching you from but, afar being like you motherfuckers <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean maybe if uh you were the dm for these two players i want to play one of these two players so bad that sounds like <laughs> such a fun i love when two characters are intertwined from inception yeah and Especially, I love the idea of building characters with another person so that your abilities complement each other. Yeah. Like playing a zealot barbarian and a war cleric. Yeah, 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 yeah. Those two have such great synergy with each other that sounds like so much fun. Or a moon druid and, um, I don't know, a halfling fighter, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, with mount with mounted combatant wielding two lances um, <laughs> two lances <laughs> yo you can dual wield lances it's great yeah i know um, why <laughs> because it's hilarious especially if you're a halfling on a okay just imagine imagine a fully full plate male halfling with two lances the size of their body running towards you on the back of a grizzly bear terrified <laughs> But um, if you were a DM for this, you could have, yeah, Hammer Lord Hykros. As your party gets more and more famous, he starts seething with anger that the even-handed is getting this renown. And first he's just like, yeah. you know, because he's not evil. He's not evil. No, no. But he wants to throw a wrench in your plan. So he sends someone to try and sabotage you. And then when that doesn't work, he gets upset because I'm imagining him as quick to anger. And uh, right, yeah. in his upset state he does something a bit rash and maybe he sends uh, an assassin not to kill you but just to maim you you know cut off your hand the bard's hand or cut off the monk's foot doesn't work he gets even more angry and then this guy just okay wait 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 before you do this because i i i know where you're going and i think it's good but i've just i've been watching a lot of cohen movies i think high cross would be good like you said send an assassin but like a cohen brothers antagonist he sets forward events that are much more dangerous and bigger than him like he just wants to send you lesson but he sends like an assassin that actually like does some damage that actually just gets more and more out of his hands you know 
<laughs> and eventually he's like, I don't even know whose side I'm on anymore. <laughs> exactly. Like, you you find him and like, you're the one who sent it. He's like, I was trying to just scare you. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. But I, I think he has the, for these two characters, I think he has the potential to become a villain. Yeah, I think so too. I think that that could be, I think that could be fun. Throw in a little bit of a evangelical homophobia in there. Make mm-hmm. your two characters gay and there done. You there you go. You, that one's, that part is option. <laughs> But, <laughs> but you could do it you could you yeah could. i sorry i i love this this is no, my favorite it's great characters great. from the episode <laughs> i mean the okay the mobility issue paladin was pretty great too though okay great. let's continue city of the dead is a walled enclosure on the eastern edge of the trades ward it is the general cemetery of the city of splendors and its size nearly makes it a ward unto itself many citizens visit the city of the dead's park-like green lawns and white marble tombs during the day For it is one of the few places dominated by greenery the citizens of Waterdeep can share within the city walls. A watch contingent keeps the cemetery peaceful, and various members of the Guild of Chandelers and Lamplighters keep torches lit uh, around and inside a number of the tombs. The grounds are off-limits after dusk, and the gates are locked. Nevertheless, many individuals still hold clandestine meetings at night in the City of the Dead. Despite the slight risk of undead escaping from a warded tomb to prowl the sprawling cemetery. Although it has been in its current form since the year of the Riven Skull, 1250 DR, the area has served as the city's burial grounds for centuries. The cemetery ran out of room in the year of the Stranger, 1060 DR, prompting the city to build a low wall around it and place the individual graves with magic tombs linked by portals to infinite demiplanes. <laughs> Two years later, the high number of undead prompted the Lord to erect higher defensible walls around the cemetery to lock and ward the magic tombs. There have been a few incidences since. Okay, first of all, this is my favorite high magic jargon. I love that. I love when they do stuff like this. (laughs) Like, solve your um, civil code issues, your civil engineering issues with magic. Fantastic writing. I love that. How do we fix the... We have graveyard overflow. How fix wizard hmm. all right <laughs> let's have a network of interconnected demi planes connected by the tomb doors where we actually store the dead <laughs> that's amazing black staff do it <laughs> um also i freaking love that they're like what undead are rising out of the graves and attacking us build higher walls <laughs> well my my lord quite possibly we should try and find out the origin of where these undead are coming from. They can't just be appearing randomly. Something, there must be some dormant or layman magic around doing this. Nope, nope, don't care. Build walls. I hear walls. <laughs> Find the source? The source of this evil? No, that's not what we do around here. Build higher walls. Don't worry about it. They only attack at night. That sounds like a wall issue to me. <laughs> Who cares about night people? <laughs> Sir, we have a sizable population of citizens who prefer the night. I, I don't care. <laughs> I was very, very funny. I find that to be hilarious. Why, like, what, they can't just like this happens so often in Farron graveyards where yeah. it's like, and then undead sometimes rise, and it's like, well, wait, what do you mean undead sometimes rise? Is there <laughs> what's the reason? How? Yeah. <laughs> what? What is? Especially ones like this where it's like it happens all the time. Neverwinter yeah. <laughs> has the exact same lore in their one, and it's like, how? Why is nobody Why is investigating no this? <laughs> Okay, do you know who's going to investigate it? Listener, your party. Your party, yeah. (laughs) Figure it out for us. Yeah. Also, this is almost cut by cut the exact description of the graveyard in Athcatla. 
and oh, yeah. like it's closed at nighttime it's walled off in and out of the city during the day it's used as a park because it's one of the only places that has a lot of greenery in this major trade city on the water it's almost the identical lore it even has undead sometimes it doesn't have a network of demi planes but i wonder which one came <laughs> first yeah I mean, probably Waterdeep, but who knows? In in no, but in canon and in writing. Right, 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 right. Yeah, right. Like in canon, did one look at the other and go, "Let's copy that"? <laughs> well, I mean, it just it just makes sense, I guess, it, that they would have the kind of same thing in a big city. Yeah, but that's cool. But but while while writing, I wonder if someone like whoever wrote which one first. I wonder if someone was like, "Hmm, this sounds a lot like the uh, Catla graveyard." <laughs> <laughs> the Roads End is a small tomb that is a final resting place for travelers who die while in the city. Any unclaimed possessions are interred with their remains, minus any outstanding debts, including the burial costs. This tomb has always been a frequent target for thieves, usually following rumors of rich adventurers being buried with great magic and gold. The House of the Homeless is a vast mausoleum of rows of low steps leading up its high metal gates. Anacaster's portal leads to an apparently endless labyrinth of underground caverns. The city pays the Guild of Chandeliers and Lamplighters to light these caverns. Here lie all the dead of Waterdeep who do not merit or do not own a place or in any other tomb. If their names are known, such are always cut into the rock above the hole where their cremated ashes are interred. And Egneron's statue is a tall marble sculpture in an incredibly lifelike depiction of a bearded, robed mage as he appeared at the age of 70, his prime. Egneron stands atop concentric steps, facing west, with his hands outstretched to indicate the city of Waterdeep around him, and a smile on his face. The steps are lit by night by rows of torches that are a favorite meeting spot by the day. Okay, this guy was human, right? Yeah. Why was 70 his prime? He lived so long, though. Remember when we did that episode? He lived so oh, yeah. long. I think he was addicted maybe. to potions of longevity, maybe? But yeah, he lived for a while. Because it's, it's, it is a little confusing, I will say, in, you know, like the PHB and stuff. Hold on, I'm trying to see. Oh, man, he lived to 336. Yeah, there you go. So you Okay, go. so, yeah, okay, okay, <laughs> fair enough. That was his prime. Class was only wizard. I mean, wizards have ways to stay alive for a long time, I guess, you know, clone and stuff. But wouldn't his mind have gone? Either way, it's a little confusing in D&D because it's like humans live to be about a century. And it's like, what does that mean? Like, because... In real life, you could sort of say about a century. You know, we live to like right. 80. But <laughs> I've had a lot of people read that and go, that means humans in Run live a little bit longer right. than they do IRL. And if that's the case, then I guess 70 would still be like decently fit. I don't know. Mm. 20, 30 years left. Right. It's still past yeah. the halfway point even yeah. if it's to 100 though. Yeah. I, love, I love the House <laughs> of the Homeless. I think that that would be a fantastic yeah. place to send your party to find you need to find a very specific mm -hmm. burial site but because there's just hundreds of thousands of dead water davians from the past in these you know endless labyrinth of underground caverns that could be a really fun dungeon yeah yeah i think totally the merchant's rest is also known as the coins coffin this resting place is reserved for those who prepay for the honor of burial here the tomb contains one of Anacaster's portals, which leads to a lightly wooded region with inset plaques on the ground marking burial plots. 
Warrior's Monument is a 60-foot-high impressive stone sculpture depicting a circle of three men and two women striking down trolls, goblinoids, orcs, and barbarians, all of whom are falling backwards outwards all around them. After the time of troubles, the statue uh, was renovated and magically altered to add a griffin-like rider flying above the other warriors and spearing a minion of Mercule. And the Lord's Respite is a small black marble tomb that is the final resting place for those lords who wish to be buried in state. It is fronted on all three sides by statues of open lords, Agnaron North, Baron East, and Lyston South. There's no statue on the western face, but there's a door apparently made of the same smoking material as the Lord's Helms, which prevent any form from seeing or entering inside the tomb. Only one lord has been buried here in the past three decades, and identities of all buried lords remain secret even in death, as bodies interned here herein are buried in full lord's regalia. Yeah. I find this warrior's bonded funny. It's like, I know, a warrior or town guard who's an orc dies there and is like, or comes there. Is yeah, like, I was thinking the, the same man? thing. You know, a hobgoblin comes in, hobgoblin diplomat. But yeah. then they go, they go, hey, look. There's a barbarian there. That's a human. We're <laughs> inclusive. It's just killing bad people. They the just kill has, everyone. The race has nothing to do with it. And the orc's like, mm, <laughs> mm, seems a bit questionable towards barbarians from the north. <laughs> well, shut up. Look, that's a priest of miracle. We all hate those guys, right? <laughs> it's interesting that they bury them also in the Lord's regalia. Yeah, it makes sense. Got a lot of that to go around. The Hall of Sages is a special tomb for sages small dusty tomb with about 80 sages interned inside what makes it interesting to some illicit treasure hunters is the rumor that many of the sages rarest tomes and books were interred with their cremated remains a false rumor maintained by lariel and others to flush out dealers of forbidden lore the hall of heroes is the official warrior's tomb of waterdeep for fighters and all who fall in battle it is blue marbled walls enclosed a trophy hall with many remembrances of the fallen including a sword hilt of Raror, uh, its blade long since turned to the skeleton of an asp. At the far end of the hall is Ancaster's portals, leading to pleasant rolling fields and an empty grass plain where the warriors are buried row upon row. The Sultan Vault in the depths of this heavily warded tomb slumbers Silithian Saltlu, a Yanti pureblood of House Aselinus. Driven from Lashpool by his cousin and greatest rival, he settled in Waterdeep over a century ago, quickly rebuilt his fortunes. Member of House Soltul make regular visits to this tomb to attend to his needs, and a small band of tainted ones actually dwell within the tomb. I think this yuan T crypt is so funny. It's so random. Like, what? <laughs> it's Where did so that funny. come from? <laughs> It's like, we <laughs> it's this is the odd team being like, I like him being like, ah, I want somewhere with trees in it. It's like, well, um, there's the graveyard. Yes, <laughs> I want to live there. <laughs> well, wait. Oh, I mean, isn't he dead? No, he's not dead. He's alive. <laughs> to attend to his needs. He's alive. Oh, I thought they meant like attend to like his, you know, <laughs> mummification or something. No, I think he's alive. I think he's just living there. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> That's hilarious. I love that so much. So I was thinking whether you're the paladin we were talking about mm-hmm. or the monk and the bard, I think a really cool backstory would be, so it's time to embark on our adventure if you're the monk of the bard or the paladin. Yeah. I need to prove myself to the griffin cavalry. 
So what you did was um, there was some bad stuff going on in the City of the Dead, right? Mm -hmm. And so you went in by yourself because you're young. You're trying to prove yourself to the Griffin Cavalry. So you're doing this alone. And you go into the tomb, probably the uh, Hall of the Homeless, the House of the Homeless, and it's way more. You've bitten off way more than you can chew. And so you start running away. And the pathway back to your um, portal that you came through was cut off by undead. So you go another way, and you get lost in this twisted labyrinth. And eventually you find a portal that you fall through running away from undead, and that just drops you in the part where the campaign is starting. Nice, yeah, yeah. And uh, you, you're kind of like, well, I want to go home, but also like... I was planning on being an adventurer anyway, so what are we doing, new party? You know, that's your reason for leaving Waterdeep, because you didn't intend to leave Waterdeep, but now that you have, you're kind of like, well, let's just see where this takes me. Maybe I can find glory here and return home a glorious hero and rub it in the faces of the Griffin Cavalry. Or if you're the bard and the monk, you're like, well, this, well, isn't this just the greatest story? Could we have asked for a better origin? <laughs> oh, let's go find us a party. You know, uh, you're kind of just like, well, this kickstarted our adventure. I think that that would be a really fun yeah. Uh, backstory. Yeah, I think that's great. No, I, I like this a lot. The City of the Dead, like, episode, but, like, it is one of the places in Waterdeep where, like, it's very practical. Of course, they need a graveyard, but also, like, a lot of adventure can be had here. Adventure is a foot. And, like, a different type than maybe you've done. Maybe you've done, like, political campaigns. You've done... Like, yeah, uh, machinations of wizards. And here you could just have a good old-fashioned crypt dungeon crawl killing undead. Yeah, a little dungeon crawl. Everybody loves a zombie. Exactly. That's it for our journey today. Remember that you can always build up higher walls. Next episode, we'll cover the North Ward. Thank you, Lily, for joining me. Yeah. And bond us with the music around the fire. You can find them on Bandcamp. Links in the description of the episode. Please remember to rate, review, and apparently they don't like to subscribe anymore. So rate, review, and follow at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And have a great podcast. Bye.